Hello and welcome to the Casual Anime Podcast for the 23rd of April 2018. I'm your usual host, Frederick, and joining me, as he always does, is Kushner. Hey, hey, hey! And as one transition bleeds into the next, uh, Perfect Blue is a perfect example of transitions done right. So in po- uh, post-production, you should probably like cut everything up segment for segment and jumble them together, right? And then we can jump back and forth. Well, it would make it uh, a hell of a lot uh, less confusing. Yeah, well, uh, now that we said that, there's no way for anyone to really distinguish if we have done it or not. I mean... (laughs) Uh, Okay, so if it wasn't obvious, this episode is about uh, Satoshi Kon's uh, debut film, uh, Perfect Blue. Uh, Any primary thoughts? I loved it. It was a, a great piece of work. Uh, I kind of got a little confusing in the towards the end, but uh, whoa, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, My, I mind blown. <laughs> I think it's definitely set up to be confusing or to be uh, to be able to um, kind of like interpret it today. Uh, however you see fit, because there's no plain answers in this film. Uh, but briefly summarized, Perfect Blue is a film about idols and about fan reaction, and about transitioning uh, from being an idol uh, to the small screen. And then there's a little more subtly about the art of filmmaking too in there, I think. Uh, so this 80-minute uh, psychological drama follows the character Mima, as she uh, quits the idol group Cham and then pursues her career as an actress. And clearly people aren't very happy about this because up between a lot of creepy fan mail, stalking web pages, phone calls, faxes, uh, bomb threats, uh, actual letter bombs, and even her fish in her uh, aquarium mysteriously dying, uh, Mima slowly starts losing touch on what reality is and Everyone keeps telling her it's all just illusions, and that uh, all the things she's seeing aren't real, and that she should go back to being an idol. So, uh, that is what I think uh, is the best summary. <laughs> I think I'll leave it at that. Yeah. We'll get into uh, the more detail-y parts later. Um, so where should we actually start? I think we need to address a few things first before we dive in. Um, Idol culture. Uh, how much do you know about that? I watched a documentary on uh, our national channel once, uh, so uh, I don't have so much uh, to say about it. Yeah, I think it's just one of the cultural things uh, I don't really get about Japan. I think the closest thing we have is uh, boy bands. Yeah, Spice Girls and Backstreet Boys. Well, I think. Uh... I think uh, gathering a group of young girls or boys from a very young yeah. age and having them signing these contracts and then they're supposed to be uh, pure and uh, a kind of a, uh, yeah, an image that uh, young boys and girls can aspire to be and then it would hurt their brand uh, enormously if they ended up doing something uh, 
and pure, or even having a boyfriend that would hurt their brand <laughs> massively. So I see it as uh, I don't really understand it or their fans. Uh, but it's maybe I don't that... understand it, but I, I I could like it. Um, at least the music. I, um, yeah, uh, but I think of, uh... I think this is probably one of the reasons why she wanted to get out of this industry. I mean, uh, um, Mima Rin or whatever isn't the person that she actually is, and it's not the perception she wants either. Definitely. So I think maybe that's why she wanted to transition to being an actor, even though her characters in uh, when she's an actor or actress is even less uh, like herself, <laughs> probably. So. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, well, you, you get bombarded with the story from her parents and uh, everyone around her that all she ever did was one, was to sing when she was little. Yeah. Um, they keep telling her that's but, her talent and she should stick to it. Yeah, and it's kind of building up to uh, to like uh, to heighten the the avatar character. But she was never even successful as an idol, or she no, has fans, well, but they're not very to, successful. When they left, when she left the group, they went to eighty second place or something in uh, in the lists, and they had never broken into a top hundred before. Yeah, and I don't think it's because she left, uh, because she was the front figure. So I think it was just like blind luck that that happened to happen as she left. Yeah, maybe, and maybe they got more publicity after she left. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Uh, she left to join the movie. You know, you get uh, you get some uh, free uh, free fame. Yeah. Um, I also think that uh, the way a lot of these fans are portrayed is uh, patently creepy. I mean, I think uh, they made a conscious decision to make uh, these guys that idolize her as unattractive as possible. <laughs> Yeah, at least uh, the me guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, I guess uh, sometimes directors make a choice like this. And, for example, in Ping Pong, the animation, um, the characters are so ugly. But, of course, they're supposed to be. Because they could have made the characters attractive. Um, but instead, they give them, like, uh, slanted horizontal eyes. And like weird shaped faces, and like, yeah, you could round out everything and you can make them semi attractive, but uh, that is clearly not what the show is going for. So, here it's a conscious effort to make um, the fans unattractive and the actual idols and uh, people with like uh, jobs in the uh, or the actual actors attractive, kind of like real life. Like, uh... Yeah, and you have to credit the director for uh, uh, it's uh, based off uh, a manga, but uh, you have to credit them for uh, for uh, making the the stalker guy so ugly. You know, you you almost uh, look at him and you say, "Yeah, he's the killer." If if someone's gonna get killed, he's the one. Yeah, but it's not I... based off a manga though. <laughs> 
Oh, it's not. It's based yeah. on a novel, I think. Not yeah. Uh, a book, basically. Yeah. Um, but I believe uh, I believe uh, Satoshi Kon wanted to make a live-action film. Okay. Yeah, because you see it in all the details scenes included, like uh, the cuts. Well, you don't really get cuts in anime because there's no real camera, but like uh, the angles, the rape scene is filmed in. It's like uh, we don't really see the action, but it, it's like through... Or we see what the camera films, and then they use the angles that would have been used in uh, a rape scene on television, I guess. Yeah. And uh, all, it, all of the all of the private areas are blocked off by his body, and like uh, they even have to cut as his zipper uh, gets uh, <laughs> stuck. Yeah, and it's quite a riveting technique to uh, to do that, and and in this first scene too, uh, when she uh, when she's sitting there in uh, in her first line of uh, work, she's be uh, she be looking at everyone. And you can you can feel the discomfort from her. Yeah, and like all of the transitions he used too, like uh, from looking at the reflection to suddenly in the middle of a scene acting, and it isn't immediately obvious that she is in a scene before the director yells cut, because yeah. what she was doing was so relevant to what was just happening. And then in the opening scenes, all the cuts between her acting on stage or her performing on stage with uh, Cham to her doing mundane tasks like uh, shopping. And we just cut back and forth. And as her head turns, her head turns on stage. And then we get a new scene. So, um, yeah. And also... There's one more thing, though. Uh, the way he portrays anime in this film. That's kind of meta. Uh, you see that magical girl, or the poster of a magical girl. And that was so clearly anime. The big yeah. eyes and everything. And then he clearly differentiated himself so clearly from it with his uh, down-to-earth realistic art style. So yeah, I was constantly reminded of like uh, Requiem for a Dream and like Memento and like these kinds of films. Yeah, and um, Donnie Darko and uh, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, if he had made a live action, this would probably become a classic like one of those. Instead, he made a, an anime film for a much smaller audience and now only a certain group of people have ever heard of it. I mean, it's kind of unheard of to make a, um, a psychological drama of an anime. Yeah. And uh, it's great. Um... Yeah, it certainly defined his career. I mean, he made it, he went on to make Paprika and Paranoia Agent, so a lot of other good things with... Uh, yeah, Tokyo Grandfathers. Yeah, that kind of messes with like the psychological aspects of things. Yeah. Well, I definitely have to check out more of his work because uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, sadly, he passed away, though. Um, yeah. It's been a while now, but... 
it did at least leave, leave us with uh, quite a lot. Um, so it actually turns out that the manager is behind all this. Yeah, Rumi. Um, she has been controlling no, this she's... homepage. She knows exactly what uh, Mima is doing at every single uh, time of the day. She's been sending uh, this uh, stalker who is uh, obsessed with preserving the image of uh, the pure idol. Um, these messages that uh, she's trying to get rid of uh, all of these people. Like all of the people who uh, kind of made, uh, in his eyes, a fake uh, Mima. Yeah. And you see in his eyes that he sees Mima in Rumi. Uh, does he? Yeah. Uh, when she's standing behind him in, uh, in his room. She looks like Mima. So you never get a clue until the towards oh, yeah. the end. You mean, uh, or the Yeah. Yeah. Or in the the rape scene even. Uh, you could get uh, some small hints. But she doesn't really uh Lumi doesn't really tip her hand before uh, uh before the car ride home after the rape scene or after the rape, actually. Or the attempted oh. rape. Uh where she kills her attacker, uh, kills the the maniac mania guy. Um, where she says that she's gonna take her to Mima's room or whatever. And that is, I think, the only time she actually tips her hand, because uh, I think uh, the director wanted the possibility that Mima was uh, sh uh, had uh, schizophrenia and was yeah. I, imagining I everything and was kind of like uh, kind of like uh, um, the character for Paranoia Agent, which is a teacher by day and prostitute by night, and she doesn't realize this. And this also perfectly mirrors uh, the TV show uh, that she's a part of, like uh, playing a role as. Yeah, and when she uh, and when the photographer died, I really thought it was Mima that killed him. But then again, I, uh, I had my doubts, but uh, I like uh, movies that messes with my head. Yeah, it was definitely a possibility. I mean, uh, she found uh, weapons in her uh, apartment and then she just happened to uh, have an affinity for uh, screwdrivers and all of these things. But uh, she did uh, pick up the hammer instead of the screwdriver when she went to defend herself against uh, Mimania when she was attacked in the studio. Yeah. Uh, parts of this movie is very uncomfortable to watch. Or maybe just one or two. But uh, I felt uh, quite disgusting with, uh, with the scene. It was uh, displaying so it was displayed so real, you know. Um, and uh, in this movie, it's increasingly difficult to tell what's real or what isn't. So, but uh, you know, that scene wasn't real. But 
but uh, after a while you get this uh, <laughs> you get uh, lost in your own head or thoughts and, uh, and that's why psychological films are great because they can do things to you that you didn't really expect them to do before you went into the movie yeah definitely but uh what I don't quite get is like uh Every time uh, Mima was looking in the mirror, she... I don't know why she saw herself as fat. Did she kind of realize that it was uh, Rumi all along? Because every time, well, or a lot of times when she looks in the mirror, her reflection is fat. Well, it's probably just... Uh, just her imagination. You know, it's uh, yeah, worse than uh, nightmare. Yeah, I think she saw, like... Uh, Rumi in costume a lot. Yeah. And then she thought it was herself, but then. And then she didn't realize it was fat because she's kind of losing it after reading so much negativity and then hmm. uh, being mentally pressured from everywhere and there's like death threats and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you think the talent agency or the agency that she is a part of is doing a good job or is representing her well? I mean, the one guy doesn't seem quite seem to care as long as she gets her <laughs> parts in the movie and yeah. doesn't care if there's a or what's going to happen to her image if she's involved in a lot of rape scenes. I don't think he really understands how it affects her, but. Or, or how it affects her career. Yeah, uh, you know, Rumi. Like out, outwardly, but, she is very professional. She's yeah. always smiling. Uh, she's smiling at the photographer. I don't know why she permitted herself to be photographed naked, though, or completely naked. I don't think that was part well, of the deal. No, because the uh, just before the photography scene, the the. Uh, say some lines about the photographer that he always uh, uh, manages to get the models to dress themselves off. So, you know, uh, uh, well, they are building him up to be a bad guy. So, Yeah, but I don't think he did anything inherently wrong. He was probably a creepy guy, but I don't think anyone <laughs> actually did anything inherently wrong except for... Uh, uh, Rumi, and I don't really think she knew how far it would go. I think she thought Mima was gonna turn back after maybe a few hurdles. Uh, but then she kind of dedicated herself to doing the rape scene, and it's Rumi who breaks down crying, saying, No, this can't be. Yeah. And she can't even stomach watching it when uh, they're recording it. And that's actually understandable because it's just pretty upsetting. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> It's uh quite different from uh, uh other uh, animes. Let's say it's like that. Yeah. Mm. Uh 
What do you think and... about like the base story or how it was told? Because uh, we start off not knowing anything, and then we see the stalker, and then uh, Mima isn't aware of the stalker before much later. So do you think it's a good curve of the suspense in this movie, I guess? Yeah. <clears throat> um, it takes some time to to come into the movie. But then again, when it, when it grips you, you're in for uh, a treat. Uh, because she doesn't know immediately there's a stalker, but the film tells us pretty early that it is. And it's like... Uh, I think it's like the Hitchcock uh, classic uh, to create suspense. You tell the audience like uh, a bomb will go off in five minutes, and yeah. then you have five minutes of suspense without knowing, uh, without it uh, affecting the characters because they don't know about the bomb, but you know about the bomb. So yeah, and uh, I think uh, they portray the as kind of. Cold, Mima. Uh, when she uh, listened to the news that two hundred had died in uh, an earthquake, she didn't even flinch. Yeah, but maybe that's a daily occurrence. I mean, I think we get jaded by the news cycle, by the twenty-four hour news cycle. You know. Yeah, but if uh, if I saw a, a news show and I said, "Wow, two hundred died in." Uh, yeah, somewhere. Well, to be honest, I don't know if it happens all the time now, though, because they kind of got bored of reporting it. But there's like 40 are killed in a bomb in like uh, Islamabad, and it's hardly even reported. It's like uh, it's like uh, fifth page news. It's much more interesting to see what Trump has been saying. It's like uh, <laughs> it's kind of went out of fashion to report. All those poor people being killed in the Middle East because no one is interested in it anymore. So I don't know. It might be just be uh, that she's jaded by the news cycle. Yeah. Well, the underlying story is is quite great. Uh, I felt it. Uh, it took some while to to get me into it, but uh, when it had me, it. Uh, I was, uh, yeah. Uh. So the end result is that uh, Rumi is mentally ill, but uh, how did she become mentally ill? I don't know. <laughs> because she goes around her daily life and then I guess at some point she just thinks that she is, uh, she made it as an idol and then that she is uh, Mima. Just, yeah. It just happens one day. I don't know. And she can't process that uh, Mima is actually turning her back to all that fame. Or the potential fame, I guess. And all those loving uh, fans. fans. Yeah. It's quite hard to decipher mental illness. It could just be of a snap of the finger and it's there. And you can show signs to your whole life. Uh, but in this movie, uh, 
I couldn't see Rumi as the bad girl for uh, quite up towards the end. So, but of course she had her uh, sayings in. She shouldn't be. She should be pure and not to, yeah, certain scenes. Yeah, and uh, what's the hang-up with uh, screwdrivers uh, taking the eyes out of people they don't like? It's like uh, <laughs> everyone is killed by a screwdriver. Yeah, and the balls. It's quite a cruel way to die. Yeah, and also there was this one uh, dream sequence where uh, uh, Mima is... Uh, chasing someone and then, then she runs into traffic and is hit by a truck and then the exact thing happens but it's not Mima at all it's uh, Rumi um, disguised yeah, as quite, Mima yeah quite at the end so and where then does she this went. fit in if uh, it's not all in her head I mean I don't think it's all in her head but uh... yeah and in the middle of that she she tells someone it would be better if she died in the truck accident that she dreamed about or somewhere along. Yeah, it's all pretty confusing. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. But in the end, I think she ended up being successful. Um... She got a standing ovation after her last scene, and uh, I think she was even recognized on the street as an actress, or and not yeah, in the as hospital. an idol in the very last scene. Yeah, in the hospital, the the workers uh, uh, notes that uh, oh, that's uh, um, Mima uh, and something name, <laughs> and uh, they're wondering what she's doing there and. Uh, but no, it, it couldn't be her. Mm. Yeah. But it is me, she says. Yeah. And then the <laughs> film is over. And then, uh, then you could uh, diverse into the realm of uh, possibilities for what really happened at the end. Was, was the end scene just a dream? I think everything that happened at the end kind of accurate even though the skipping images of uh, Rumi jumping across uh, from place to place is uh, certainly an illusion because uh, she doesn't move that gracefully um, I think just it's just um, a vivid imagination plus um, a lot of trauma that uh, led to that, that kind of a perspective I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but why did the fish come back back to life? I didn't quite get that. Your fish were the dead, woman. and then they were alive again later. Or is it was it out of order, or was uh, I was Rumi uh, messing with her head again? Uh, replacing the dead fish with living fish just to confuse her even more. Yeah, probably. Uh, she has to have some problems 
with her image seeing. Because when she sees uh, Rumi with her wig, I don't know if it if it's if you see this scene from Mima's eyes or because when Rumi loses her wig, she becomes Rumi. But when she has her wig, she's uh, Mima. Yeah, I think she's just and... so used to uh, imagining that her image is running rampant and causing trouble. Yeah. Because after a while, she kind of forgets what she does every day. But she can check uh, her blog because uh, Rumi definitely knows what she did every day because uh, she's been yeah, following and, her. And that was quite creepy when she she suddenly started reading the blog and said, oh, maybe I did go to uh, Shibuya or today. Like she was eating it in. Yeah, she kind of forgets, uh, starts forgetting. And uh, yeah. that's why we pro- suddenly see her in the middle of uh, scenes. And then she kind of forgets her lines and says uh, what comes to mind instead of uh, what the actual line is. Yeah, But I don't and, think she does and, uh, it a lot, though, because uh, no. no one's seen that annoyed. It seemed like natural mistakes for a first-time actor. Yeah. And right after that, she uh, she has, has this interrogation scene uh, where she's uh, brought up for murder. And I was kind of like, whoa, did she really kill the, the photographer guy and was hooked for murder? And uh, yeah, and suddenly the director yells cut and you, oh, it wasn't real. Well, it might have been real, even so. It's like uh, yeah, yeah. It just made it more likely that it was real with that scene, though. Yeah, I think that scene, even though it wasn't real, reinforced the perception that it could have been real. Yeah, and it's quite a clever technique. Yeah, I say you shouldn't have directed an anime. You should have directed live action, so more people could have seen this. Yeah, but I think it's much cheaper to make an anime, I guess. So. Yeah. But then again, you're facing an audience of uh, a million versus two billion. <laughs> a million? I think you're yeah, being quite, yeah. <laughs> uh, quite conservative with Japan's population. Yeah, but uh, how many people do you think have seen Perfect Blue? Um, in the West? Probably a million just in the West. Yeah. Probably even more. Um, and in Japan, I guess, um, it's a very popular movie. Um, yeah. I don't know the, the exact numbers, but uh, I think you shouldn't rank that far behind like uh, the likes of Miyazaki and the likes of um, Shinkai. Because yeah. he's certainly a better filmmaker than Shinkai. It just uh, delves in topics that are more uh, or less mainstream. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It was a this was a difficult episode. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm constantly lost for words. Yeah, it's it's quite difficult to describe uh, what we're seeing on. 
on screen. Uh, and some fun facts is that uh, you mentioned uh, a requiem for a dream. Did you know the, uh, that uh, Darren Aronofsky bought the movie rights for Perfect Blue so he could film uh, a bathtub scene in a requiem for a dream as homage to the one in Perfect Blue? Uh, no, I didn't know that, but that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I think yeah, Tarantino it's... also took, uh, <laughs> or have, has seen this movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it has. Yeah, I think Tarantino has seen every movie that is there uh, to be seen. Uh, but I also uh, watched Black Swan a, year, a few years ago. And... Um, this could also be in that realm. Yeah, I've never watched Black Swan, but I think you're right. Mm. I mean... Yeah, well, from what I remember, it should be pretty spot on. Um, it's also interesting, every time she gets home, she drops the facade and then it's like, no, it's not what I really wanted. Well. Why do you have to follow everyone's expectation? You broke out of uh, the idol industry because you didn't want it, so why can't you be just as firm? <laughs> you don't think that's what uh, normal actors do, too? Yeah, well, probably, but I don't think her in uh, the idol industry and the act acting industry is that would have been that much different. No, you're displaying a character, so. But then again, being an idol, you have to, you have to constantly uh, smile, constantly, be aware of, uh, of your posture. Yeah, but she could have quit any time. I, I mean. Yeah. Um. We, we haven't talked about the music. Um. I felt it uh, heightened the suspense. I felt uh, in the in the stalker scenes, and uh, I kind of got goosebumps in my uh, on my wrist. Oh well, when, I, I just remember like uh, the Doki Doki, <laughs> <laughs> the idol songs. I don't remember yeah. anything else to be okay. honest. Yeah. I thought it was quite quite right uh, uh, tone setting for. And uh, <laughs> it's so funny watching this movie now in uh, 2018 and, and watching how internet was in 1997. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, she has no concept of what... Or she's bought herself a computer, but she has no concept of how, how to use it. Yeah. And ironically enough, uh, Rumi is showing her... Uh, Mima's yeah, house. So she couldn't have been the murderer all along because she didn't know how to use a computer. Yeah. <laughs> or was that all the show too? Her really being mm. schizophrenic, she only knows how to use a computer <laughs> when the, she's this other person. Hmm. Well, it's yeah. your memories that makes you your personality, so could probably be working like that. Um. Uh, so what do you think about the stalker guy? I think... 
um, even though, or I think he's severely mentally ill, and I think he has some kind of a misogynistic uh, complex of some kind. <laughs> because she doesn't see Mima as a person, he's, she's, uh, he sees her as like this uh, precious little doll that sings for her, for him. Yeah. Um... And uh, initially you think he's a good guy, or for maybe a second or two when he goes to, uh, uh, to, to defend against the troublemakers. I mean, and why the fuck isn't there security at these events? I mean, yeah, kinda is he weird. the only guy there? <laughs> it's like, uh, why is there one guy going up against three, three troublemakers? Well, there was some uh, stage security, but uh, they wouldn't do anything. Um, I can't delve into the mind of uh, Stalker, or uh, <laughs> but he's believing himself to be led by this other Mima. Yeah, and the first scene you see him, he's kind of like uh, bending down and looking up at her, as though he has her in the palm of his hand. Yeah, just like a doll. It's just like a uh, a playing machine, you know the the music box. Yeah, the ballerina. Yeah. It's it was quite uh, quite good. Quite an uh, interesting shot into the yeah. into the mind of a, a stalker. Incidentally, why does stalkers uh, tend to kill the person they're stalking? <laughs> because it happens well, a lot, I think. It's like a, they've been stalking them for so long, they've found out some kind of intimate secret that kind of breaks the illusion, and now they have to destroy them to preserve the memory forever. Yeah, and then you have the ones that go the other way. Uh, you know, uh, Jodie Foster from uh, Silence of the Lambs, yeah. Well, she had the stalker. She was even that, mentioned uh, in this film. Yeah, and uh, that's why I know this. So, <clears throat> and uh, he tried to assassinate Ronald Reagan to get noticed by her, uh, by uh, Jodie Foster. Yeah, I don't know. This just seems uh, <laughs> too obsessive. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think we have anything else to add. Any final thoughts? Well, there's um, a new novel coming out of uh, this movie, or uh, this author. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't know his name though, um, and I don't know how much they've uh, adapted the source material. The novel might uh, not have anything in particular to do with, uh, like... Well, it's uh, it titled uh, Awaken from a Dream. That's uh, very interesting. Yeah. So maybe it's going to disprove that, uh, or it's going to prove that everything was just a dream. It says, uh, dwell deeper into the dark underbelly of the superstardom, where fame comes at a steep price. In this sequel, uh, Anthology to the hit psychological thriller Perfect Blue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know what that means. No. Nah. I mean, I think be, on uh... the backside of the Blu ray it says um, 
this is a mix, mix of Hitch, Hitchcock and Disney or something. It's just it's just words to make you uh, interested. Because I'm pretty yeah. sure Hitchcock or Disney would met, never make anything like this. Well, at least not Disney. Uh... Well, I think it's just meant to be. Well, it's animated, so it would be Disney and it's Hitchcock kind of suspense, but I don't think Hitchcock would have made something like this. It's more. Uh... I think it's more of like a memento type film, but I don't. Uh... That's not saying yeah. Christopher Nolan makes this, these kinds of films, because <laughs> he only made more, one of uh, these kinds of films. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting off track. Uh, Haven't we been getting off track uh, for a long, long time now? Yeah, I think uh, we're basically uh, done. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add? Well, I'd rate it at uh, 9 out of 10. Um, 9 out of 10, that's uh, high praise coming from you. Maybe your well, problem I... is that you don't actually like anime. <laughs> <laughs> and you go for the first uh, non-traditional <laughs> anime you film, you see. I don't think that's the Yeah, I don't think so reason, either. No, no. But uh, I quite like the psychological and, uh, and horror stuff. Uh, yeah, I gave it an eight out of ten, but um, yeah, I don't know what I really think about this. Hmm. Well, it's a great movie. You should all go watch it. Uh, you probably have if you have listened to this. Uh, if you haven't, check it out. It's great. Okay, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on SoundCloud, and we'll see you later. Yeah. Goodbye.